Good morning and welcome to the Well and Green podcast. Today is a rare opportunity where I get to talk specifically about sports psychology. So the questions that were called in today were along the same vein as the questions that I typically get from eSport, but um, it, the flavor was in the context of a sports psychology question, and actually it was about injury, which uh, injuries which don't really happen in eSport. So this show kind of delves into my past, 2010 to 2013, when I was doing my sports psychology studies. Um, of course, everything that I did then applies almost 100% in the eSport context, but injuries is something that didn't really carry over. So, you know, traumatic injuries where you'd be running along and then you would just hurt yourself. That doesn't really happen in eSport. Most of the injuries here are overuse injuries and they are a long time coming and you can repair and restore them fairly easily. It's a rather low injurious sport compared with many others. So this was a little fun delve into that. And as always, this show is supported by the Mac program, mindgames.gg slash MAC. And you can check out that program with the code podcast for an additional $6 off instead of the $5 discount you get at the Ask Weldon code, which is which you'll hear in the show, but that's exclusively for YouTube. And you guys should use the code podcast since you get the extra $1 incentivizing you to use this code so that I know you're coming from here, the audio experience, and not from there, the video show. Good morning and welcome to the Ask Weldon Show, episode 178. Today we are talking about sports psychology, which that may confuse some of you because it seems like every day we talk about sports psychology. But what I mean is today we're going to have questions related to sports psychology instead of esports psychology. I have some injury rehabilitation questions, one from the audience that echoes uh, one or two of the questions that we're going to hear today. Uh, and then for the last two questions, we'll dive back into esports psychology and talk about ADHD and a wonderful phrase from Saitoru that says, I suck at any game I touch. Help. And he phrases a question around it. So that's the content for today. My name is Weldon Green. This is the Ask Weldon Show, and I'm a sports psychology trainer who is now a professional esports psychology trainer, consultant, super coach. I've won uh, four... North American LCS and European LCS titles, which is why I call myself a super coach. Um, that's kind of a meme. But anyway, uh, I work mainly with professional esports athletes, and you call in questions for the show on anchor.fm slash Weldon Green, and then I listen to them and answer them. So that's what happens. Uh, I don't have any other news updates. We're still waiting on the baby, and things are still going okay on the development of the Mac program into an app. Uh, we're still waiting on funding for the next week of development on that. And I may look like I'm wearing the same shirt as my last two YouTube videos, but actually this is a jacket and underneath I've been changing my shirt every single day. Today we're wearing a shirt. I don't know if you can see this. This is a meme joke shirt I got when I, when I lived in Japan. Kuma is the word for bear in J Japanese, and uh, this is a um, shirt from up in the north where they have bears. Uh, it's a, it has the it says the Puma logo, but as a bear, and on the back of the shirt, it's like Kuma. Anyway, it's one of my favorite shirts. Should we jump into the show, guys? Let's jump into the show. Hi, well, I'm Gregor from Norway. I'm a para-athletic world champion in long jump for the visually impaired. Uh, two years ago, I got a serious hamstring injury. Um, 
and even now I'm struggling with it. So multiple hamstring specialists have told me that my hamstring is like uh, just fine and I can do normal sprints with it. Um, even though uh, I've told them I do feel some pain um, and I, I like this pain uh, inhibits my ability to uh, give it like 100% during like sprint training. So I'm running at like 95% uh, at almost all time the time so I was wondering if you have like any advice to push through this pain and like overcome the men mental blocks that uh, inhibits my development thanks all right thank you very much for the question uh, I think it's Vegard and I want to play part two of your question here as well so that we can deal with the entire issue all at once so I'm going to play part two here um, but let's remember that the first part has to do, like, we have the context, Paralympic uh, world champion who uh, injured hamstring and essentially, uh, although the doctors have said is fully recovered, still has a little bit of pain there and is psychologically inhibited from, like, putting full effort onto that particular muscle. Hi, Walden. It's Vegard again. Uh, due to the hamstring injury I told you about, um, I've been stagnating uh, for the last two years. Uh, this really have made me lost my, lost confidence in my athletic ability. And since confidence and believing in yourself is so important for athletics, I was wondering if you had some t uh, more advice to like overcome this insecurity and really perform at my at my top and. I'm just finishing high school this summer, so I'm not like old enough to have have a peak in stagnating for like natural reasons. Thanks, Walden. All right. So now that we have the full context and the full story, I'm going to try to answer both uh, questions. Let me make one note here of something I just thought of because I don't want to lose track of my train of thoughts. Um, I lost track of it. All right. Okay. So getting back to the, uh, the recovery from the sport injury. So, um, basically the way that, uh, I want I want to explain a little bit about, uh, sport injury rehabilitation. So essentially there's, there's two components to sport injury rehabilitation. There's the physical component and the psychological component. And on the psychological component there, there's like actual a neurological side of this. So we have, the, the subconscious motor control um, that you that you cannot really influence a lot uh, with your with your conscious mind that is impaired when you're doing recovery because your body starts to favor the injury this is particularly true in injuries related to like walking and things where you have to walk or move around whatever when you're recovering from the injury so you're doing the sport movement more or less you're motoring yourself but you're not using that muscle so your body is like scared of using it so you don't recruit it then you have to train your mind to recruit this muscle again which sometimes takes things like even special things like biofeedback where they shock the muscle in order to get you to feel it again and things like that um, so there's this this real component of of neurological recovery that goes on with with like sports injury and then there is the psychological component and this has to do with um, kind of uh, okay, there's there's an entire matrix, right? There's there's many different models of psychological injury recovery in esport. Uh, sorry, in sport and in sport psychology, and some of the more prevalent and modern ones 
are incredibly complex and have to do with your motivation and your social support network. And I've even, I pulled some of them up here because they're impossible to memorize unless you're just working exclusively with them. But um, here we have one called the biopsychosocial bio model, which has seven different, ca ca like seven different sections of it essentially where you have injury characteristics the socio-demographic characteristics your biological factors your psychological factors so you have social and contextual factors then you have biopsychosocial outcomes from that and then the full outcomes from the injury essentially arising out of that context so there's there's um and then and then there's a there's a more integrated there's another model that is also prevalent called the integrated model which is um which has a cog says that there's a cognitive, essentially lens, a behavioral lens, and an emotional lens with which to look at the the recovery outcome, um, and that these are all essentially influenced by personal and situational factors. Uh, there's yeah, there's just and then there's motivational models and there's like social support models, um, and then there's a whole bunch of different interventions that you do when you're recovering from sport injury that are more or less effective. And so these are basically used to address once you once you have a model once you're working under a model uh, of injury recovery and you run into a problem or a hiccup, then you would use an intervention to kind of overcome it or smooth it out or to prepare the way or to overcome a perceived barrier or a potential barrier. So um, a simple list of these are educational interventions where essentially you're just you learn about the injury and recovery from the injury and the possible outcome from the injury, as well as other people who have gone through the injury um, and what, what the possible paths could look like. Things like goal setting, things like imagery. Imagery is actually very useful for this um, neural recovery I was talking about where you can either use biofeedback or you can do this muscle mind connection work where you're actually working on trying to activate the muscle, you know, through imagery and train while you can't train. So imagery training is one of the things that you can actually work on when you're doing injury, injury re rehabilitation that brings you back as a stronger and better athlete when you come back because you have this new extra skill, essentially. Um, there's self-talk-based interventions, biofeedback, social support, and then, of course, mindfulness-based. You know where I'm going with that, by the way. Okay, so sport injury rehabilitation is really complex. And I'm talking about sport injury rehabilitation. So I'm not necessarily talking about, oh, I twisted my ankle in the gym and I rested for a few weeks and now I'm fine and I don't think about it. I'm talking about you have a career, you have an ambition, you have an identity, and that identity gets destroyed by an injury and you either eternally, so you just can't do it anymore, which is a completely different ballgame in terms of rehabilitation, or temporarily. So um, you can't do it and then when you come back, you want to attain some of your old identity, but you're a new person with a new kind of body part, right? That's the post-injured body part. And you have to kind of like reinvent yourself as an athlete a lot of the time, which, which sometimes people don't realize when they go into an injury in terms of the psychology of it, that like it would be better to identify you as yourself now and move forward than it is to kind of... Uh, try to reclaim old glory as it was. So anyway, let's deal with the questions now. Um, how do you get over uh, the mental block of using the muscle? So 
first of all, I would I would recommend just getting a, a sports psychology trainer. 100%. You should get your own sports psychology trainer and you should work through this with him because this is going to be a, an applied intervention over time, right? So you're not going to get that much progress, I think, from just watching a video on the internet as opposed to working with somebody. But um, the things that I would recommend are you need to work through the full range of motion of the joint in a sport-like in a sport-like um, movement, and then basically take it from slow-mo to fast-mo. So I want you to like, essentially, you're right, you're doing the sprinting and you're going with effort, right? So I want you, and I assume you're jogging with, with uh, below that, you know, but you're not necessarily putting the same strain on the muscle, or you perceive that you're not putting the same strain on the muscle. So I want you to have this like connection with the contraction of this muscle and intentionally like, you know, contract it with with force like like sprint when you're jogging right so have these very explosive kind of like attacking strides but like at a slower tempo and like bring that range of motion and that 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 connectivity and that, that explosiveness from a slow motion to like a fast motion phase so that's one activity um, that you can work on another one is uh yoga where you bring yourself through the now yoga might work or might not work depending on if the pose exists that can bring you through your injury range of motion but um i would say like being able to consciously go through the injured point where you feeling the pain and push through it to the other side uh repeatedly as like a mental effort uh is something that can take away the fear of that that pain is associated with some sort of of muscular weakness okay because likely it's not if you have if you have a diagnosis that everything's fine and you still have pain there then most likely it's it's needs to be rehabilitated out uh, but the pain is not related to a muscular weakness or a danger of of you know re-injury here we're talking about like leftover uh, you know, like, like pain that you need to work out of, <laughs> of your muscle by, by rehabilitating it. Uh, and, uh, what are some other activities that are fun for this? So the, the other ones, the, those are let's just like very basic physical activities, but the real work that you need to do is, is in the mind dealt dealing with tackling the kind of like fear of this. So one of the things you can do is fear setting, where you imagine the worst possible outcomes plus how long it would take you to get back to where you are. And then you commit yourself to this risk, uh, knowingly believing that like it's worth, it's more worth it for what you want to do with your life to accomplish that than to like live with the, you know, whatever state you're in right now in terms of, in terms of, uh, your sporting career. And then another thing that you will work on probably is mindfulness. I would say you could try something like the Mac program where essentially you are trying to stay completely connected with your body in a very vulnerable and real sense in the present moment and l let yourself kind of go into that zone of optimal performance where you do in fact risk many things such as your, such as your identity and your, uh, your career and your life um, in a lot of in a lot of situations, a lot of high performance situations, people are risking their lives and they have to be very present. So I think sport is a high risk situation. I think everything is on the line, and whether or not people realize it or not, right? You're throwing your life into sport. You're doing something with your day 
other than something else, right? You have, how many days do you have on this earth? Let's figure it out. 365 times, let's say you're going to live to be a 90. All right, so you have 32,000 days, uh, and you're spending a, one of them training your sport. So people are like, oh, it's not life or death. You know, I'm just doing track. It is life or death. You're literally one day closer to death than you were yesterday. And the thing you chose to do was this. Now, I'm going to lose a lot of stream viewers because they're all like, what the heck? And they're all running out to like work on their, you know, their, their dreams. But um, the reality here is, is like, if you're able to see your choices and your ambition as life or death, something like fear of re-injury will not prevent you from attempting to do something glorif you know, full, filled with glory and, and like achieve something that you desire. So I would work on that connection between your ambition and your life choices in a very strong sense um, and kind of like map that out in terms of your, uh, your goals and your life choices and you connect that with the present moment in a very mindful way and that commitment allows you to kind of take take your body to places that are dangerous in order to achieve things that are of eternal value to you. Um, and I say eternal value to you because this isn't about like, like you win some powerlifting medal, right? Or you win some, uh, some track and field medal and it doesn't have like eternal meaning in the, in the sense of human accomplishment, right? Uh, and it might not even be fantastic in the, in the realm of sport, but it, fundamentally matters for you because this is literally what you're spending your life doing. Like you're doing this instead of something else. And I say powerlifting also because Ben, uh, Shelby, if you don't know Ben, um, you should check out his channel as well because he also works through injury uh, and uses mindfulness as a way to tackle that that fear and that edge. Um, okay, moving on to this part two of the question. So part two of the question is, how do I get my confidence back? Okay, couple really practical exercises. First of all, you should do gratefulness conditioning. Gratefulness conditioning where you focus every single day and list three things that you are like appreciative for of and that you're grateful for um, where you're standing right now. And these are kind of like your battery, right? This is a way that you can fuel yourself to kind of step forward into things that you don't have yet or things that you want to accomplish. Another thing is to get really clear on your ambitions. Like, what is it that's driving you? Why is it important to you that you are returning to the stage and winning another medal? Um, is it important for your happiness? What are you going to get from it? Like, you have to clarify these things because it could be that, I mean, like, let me put it this way. If somebody who is just like you really, really, really wanted to go back and win another, uh, another medal, at the Paralympics, then they wouldn't need confidence because they would have ambition, right? So essentially at this point, because you're young, you've been powering your sporting career based on the fact that you're good at it. And you're like, oh, I'm good at this, so it feels good to do it. So you get an emotional reaction. And then because it feels good to do it, you continue to do it. And you continue to win and you drive yourself and you're driven by that satisfaction with your body and that satisfaction with your competence and that satisfaction with your skill and like the pushing of your social group and the support of your network and everything like there. And then when that goes away, 
you lose the idolization of your fans, of your, of your, of your friends and maybe your coaches because you have an injury, right? So you're not the golden boy anymore. You lose the idolization of yourself because you're like, you, your competence has dropped. Um, maybe, maybe like, you know, all of these things that used to support that effort go away and you're left only with one thing. And that is, what is your drive? What is your base drive? So if you're supporting your athletic career on confidence based on what you were good at, you're not going to be LeBron James or Kobe Bryant or these other greats who supported their athletic career based on the ambition of something they wanted to accomplish in the world, not how good they were. Like Michael Jordan, for example. Michael Jordan did not support his basketball career on the fact that he was good because he was bad and his coaches told him that. He didn't even make his uh, university basketball team on the first try. But he had drive because there was something that he wanted to change in himself and in the world. And so that is what powered it. So I would say if you are confidence-based, one of the things, of, one of the big works that you need to do is get really clear on your ambition. Now, you need to look at that medal and decide what it means to you. Because if it just means a little bit of happiness and satisfaction and idolization from other people, then you need to be really clear that like what you want is fame and what you want is is to stand on that podium and have people like you know celebrate you and what you want is you know the ability to hold hold it up and have it and possess it and have that memory and that's totally fine there's nothing dysfunctional about that but like you got to be clear that that's your ambition and if your drive is to like be the best then you got to be the best and if your drive is just like i want to be i want to be happy well there's a lot of things that you could do to be happy maybe your drive is not pointing you in the direction of of reclaiming that that capability and so you need to turn you need to like figure that out now right and like turn to somewhere that you're headed uh before mentally before you're because your emotions are already taking you there like if your emotions are already taking you there then you should like read a little bit into them but if your emotions are betraying you then you can work on that you can work on kind of like correcting course mentally by kind of connecting with your drive but you need to work with a sports psychology trainer more in depth with these in a, in a call response kind of way where you are talking they're listening they're asking you're responding and and not necessarily hopefully this gives you some motivation or some insight into like what that would look like and you can find somebody there there are definitely like just like with haircutting you know you can go get somebody a haircut with a barber who's like a student barber or whatever and it, and it costs very little money there are tons of people studying master's degrees or PhDs in sports psychology who are who are looking to begin their practice. And because sports psychology is a field where you essentially have to create your own business, it's a really tough grind to start it out. So if you do a little looking at universities and specifically at sports psychology departments, I'm confident that you can find somebody who's super interested in a quid pro quo. That is, they provide sports psychology services and you provide research or insight or a case study into Paralympic uh, athlete attainment and injury recovery. And in exchange for sports psychology services, you get to either be like a part of their master's or a part of their PhD um, and and a part of like essentially like the research that they're working on. Uh, because everybody who's in school needs to do like a thesis at some level. And I remember a lot of the theses at, at my university in particular were focused on uh, adapted, you know, adapted exercises or on adapted sport. Um, 
And of course, there's tons of people doing sport injury rehabilitation who are looking for exactly people who are like at the elite level, who like have some sort of hang up and who need to be worked with. Um, that's a very, very valuable situation that you're in. So let me put it another way. Like, you know, there are there are certain students who would be like, oh, I'm so excited that you have this problem. And you can be like, um, no, this is hurting my life. And they'll be like, okay, yes, but let's dig apart. <laughs> let's dig it apart and figure out what's happening and solve it. And so, so you have to like take a little uh, patience with them because they'll probably be overly excited about the problems that you have. But you don't go into sports psychology unless you're overly excited about people's problems. Thank you for the question. Let's jump into question number two slash three. No, it's really two because that was 1A and 1B. This one's from Daniel. Hey, Walden. I was wondering, how does ADHD affect performance in sport, both positively and negatively? Wow, he said sport, and I interpreted eSport when I was listening to it. So here we have another sport question, everybody. Um, So ADHD, you can actually be a very, very high-functioning like even above average in ADHD if you if you maintain a good balance of your internal states. So if you are able to stay disciplined and if you're able to stay uh, like on course and you're able to keep up your habits, uh, in other words, you're able to regulate your life well, um, you can be incredibly high functioning and, and perform much better than... Uh, I would say like neurotypical, let's call it neurotypical. Although I don't think that ADHD is a neuro, neurotypical or like a neurological disorder. I don't think that they found any basis in neurology for ADHD. I think all of the diagnoses are on psychological symptoms. So uh, maybe neurotypical is not the right word. Okay. So non-ADHD, let's just call it that. I think that you can, I think that you can be uh, more high achieving and high functioning in sport than in than non-ADHD participants if you're very well regulated because of the intense focus benefit, training benefit you get from intense focus, okay? Um, also, you get to be, <laughs> you get to be, uh, uh, what is it, diagnosed? No, you get to be prescribed. You get to be prescribed Ritalin or something like that, which is actually, uh, or whatever, some concentration drug, which is actually quite useful for sport. Um, although it's, it's, it's basically a performance enhancing drug. It's illegal unless you're ADHD. So, um, uh, there's a benefit to being prescribed to that. And this is, this is really, really wrong to say on air because like, it's absolutely immoral to like fake your diagnosis and, and use this stuff for that kind of benefit. But the reality is that people do that for that purpose, both for study and for sport, because focus benefits learning so much in terms of like sport achievement like if you drink caffeine and you go to the gym uh your your one rep maxes will go up than if you don't have caffeine if you're in a non-caffeinated state like it's just the case that like focus directly improves chemically induced focus directly improves muscle recruitment that's all there is to it um and so both caffeine and other focus inducing drugs are performance enhancement chemicals and some of them are legal like caffeine and some of them are legal if you have adhd like ritalin and some of them are illegal in competition completely um and things like beta blockers beta blockers are different than than these like kind of focus drugs but um yeah so is how is adhd not beneficial for sport well if you can't regulate yourself then you are pretty much out of luck because you're going to lose to somebody who has discipline. 
Um, so yeah, I think that depending on your parenting and depending on your stage with this, with this, let's call it a disorder, sure, or your stage with this this uh, case of how you're configured, you have a set of coping mechanisms with which to stay regulated or not, and that's going to depend everything about uh, depend on that's going to determine everything about how successful you are in pursuing something like elite sport. So if you fall off the horse a number of times in a given month, it's likely that you should, that you're not going to, to achieve anything of an elite nature in any craft. If you fall off the horse multiple times in a month, it's likely you're not going to achieve anything of an elite level in any craft regardless of the craft. And by elite, I mean like 0.02% of the population, like up at the top of the bell curve, okay? So you should really look at like what you're motivated to do and focus on that and use that kind of thing to train yourself with the discipline required to achieve that ambition. So if you want to do something like elite craft in anything like sport or knitting or video games or whatever, you should find something that you're already motivated in. So you have the emotional base there and you should use that motivation to train yourself in the discipline of how to do that thing when you're not motivated. So you should try to come up with an ambition and a drive around that topic. And you should strive to like be very dedicated to it and train yourself in the coping mechanisms of how to stay on the horse when the motivation is not there, how to stay driven when you don't necessarily wake up wanting to do it. And if you can if you can obtain that skill set, then ADHD is not only irrelevant, but might be a huge benefit to what you're trying to tackle in the future of your life. Okay, last question. Before I jump into the last question, everybody, check out the Mac program. This is my online training, online video course training program for mindfulness, acceptance, commitment in eSport specifically, but prevalent, not prevalent, um, pertinent, pertinent to all sport and competition. So we're talking speech competitions and things like that as well. Uh, and basically the idea is peak performance. Exactly what I just said at the end of this ADHD question, how can you uh, use your motivation for something to improve everything else in your life? not only that you're doing now, but that you're going to, going to tackle later. And the answer is by developing transferable social and emotional skills with which you can regulate your mind and your discipline in order to achieve like performance in the things that you want in life. And these skills do develop when you're doing sport, but they don't necessarily develop in a transferable manner. So this program is all about the underlying principles of mental resilience and discipline and and connectedness with the present moment of, of high performance and like fearlessness and vulnerability and bravery that you engage in every single day in sport and exposing that whole psychological system to open air so that you can see it, so that you can find which parts you're weak at, so that you can improve it. And then after you improve it and you understand it, you can bring it to a new domain. If you if you grow out of eSport and you're like, okay, well, I'm done with that, but now I'm tackling this other thing, you can bring those skills with you. And that means that whatever you're, you're doing in terms of performance in your life, whether it's eSport, whether it's public speaking, whether it's, um, you know, chess club, whatever it is, uh, you can have that thing be a crucible 
with which with, within which you are developing like a, a set of skills that you will use for relationships and for parenting and for other sports and for other crafts like eternally not eternally because you're going to die but uh you know eternally for you that is the whole goal of of my career that's why i started in esport in 2012 i was sitting in this chair no actually yes I was sitting literally in this chair. No, I absolutely was not. This was the this was the previous chair. Oh my god, that chair was really nasty. Now that I think of it, I was sitting in a previous chair I had that was really disgusting. Um, that can't be the case. That's bullshit. Sorry, I swore. Oh dang it! Now I have to bleep this out on YouTube. That's BS. I um, I was sitting on a medicine ball because I already had my son and I was bouncing him to sleep. Okay, I've squared it away. You guys, this is the genesis of the Mind Games brand. I was sitting on a medicine ball, um, probably because that was the only chair around the computer. I think the kid was probably asleep. I was watching Husky StarCraft cast a StarCraft II tournament. And the, the, the guy choked in his game, and he sat there on stage. He, he won one game, and then he went 0-3 against the Korean. And he sat there on stage crying in front of 15,000 people. And I knew immediately... That this was a serious competitive endeavor, that esport was going to blow up all over the world, and that it was going to be a potential crucible for an entire generation of, of people, kids, youth, adults, young adults, to develop competitive, um, to develop skills, social emotional skills, transferable skills in a competitive arena where they're putting everything on the line emotionally in the same way that Vegard here is putting his body on the line. In, and in all of his emotions and all of his psyche on the line when he's going to be sprinting. He's going to get up to 100% in his sprint and he's he's going to get up to 95%, right? And he's going to feel that twinge of pain and he's going to have to put everything on the line. He's going to have to put his identity on the line. He's going to have to put his, his future career on the line. He's going to have to put like his ambition on the line and his drive and his hopes and his dreams and everything on the line in that moment. And he's going to push himself to 100% and he's going to see what happens. And he's going to have no control over whether or not he gets injured again in terms of that, other than everything that he can control, right? About rehabilitation, stretching, and, you know, whatever, making sure he's got mobility. But eventually, you just go for it. And you can do the same thing in esport. You can do the same thing in public speaking. In all of these competitive arenas, you can put everything about you on the line and in fact people are doing that every single day when you choose to play video games all day every day like i said you have these thirty-two thousand days that you get to live and if you're choosing to play video games all day with your time it's literally it's literally life or death it's literally the thing you are choosing to do with your life and wouldn't it be great if that thing had meaning above and beyond just escapism or passing the time away, or like, let me try to go pro, and oops, I don't go pro, and now all this time is wasted that I spent training. My ambition was to prevent that from happening, and to use this massive human effort of all of us who train video games as a, as a way of mastery, as a pursuit of mastery, to achieve something with it internally. And that's what the Mac program is all about, and I decided that back in 2012 when I was sitting there on that medicine ball, I was like, holy cow, and in 2013, I started developing this program. And in 2000, now at 2015, I think I launched this version of it, the third version. 
Now I'm working on the fourth version. But anyway, this is the third version. You can still buy access for $25 if you use the code AskWeldon. It's 30 bucks, but you get a $5 discount. Um, and mindgames.gg slash MAC. And you can check it out. And uh, you will get grandfathered in to any future versions. Right now, if you purchase it, it's access for life. No matter how many times I upgrade it, you just always get grandfathered into whatever the newest version is. That's going to change uh, with the new version, version 4. I'm going to take away this kind of like model because obviously it's going to be an app. So it's going to need to be sustained because apps kind of need this constant updating when people come out with new phones. You have to change things in the app, etc. So um, yeah, so I have to go to more subscription model. But for now, you pay one price, you get it forever. And uh, yeah, that's that. That's my sales ad. Guys, let's go into the last question. All right. The title of this question is, I suck at every game I touch. Okay, this is Saitoru. He says, I suck at every game I touch. Well, it's here. I'm here. Um, my games are cool. I was wondering, how do I unlock my inner god, so to speak? Um, I can put myself in this situation, and I can tell that I need to activate it, but I can't uh, seem to claw it out. Any help would be great. Thanks. Bye. All right. So I believe what Saitoru is referring to here is basically flow state that state when you are in complete control of everything about you and you have um incredibly high levels of likes of processing of sensory input like you seem to be able to see and perceive everything that you need to perceive um extra and above without tunneling on one thing and you're able to incorporate it all into your decision making and basically a hit maximal performance so a couple things. First of all, flow state, while it feels amazing, only pulls out your possible optimal performance. So if you happen to be a gold two player inside and you get into flow state, you will have the best gold two performance ever. But like, it'll still be gold two. It's not like you're going to beat a pro, right? Um, even when he's having a bad day. So there's that. Uh, secondly, flow state is not really controllable, right? You can try to set up the preconditions for it, but whether or not it happens is... Um, kind of up to the context of the situation and the competitive drive of the situation. If you want to know more about the context in which flow state occurs, you should check out the book Rise of Superman by Stephen Kotler. I have not read it, but it is all about the preconditions for flow state from a, from a journalist who does science writing. And if you want the abridged copy of that, there's a set of slides on like one of the slide sharing websites. If you just search Rise of Superman slide deck, by Stephen Kotler, um, you'll find it. And then it basically has a list of all the preconditions for flow state. But this, the book explores flow state, from what I understand. Um, and so you might be interested in, in reading about it. Although take everything in there with a grain of salt, because it's a journalist kind of exploring something, and he's trying to sell you on this state. And uh, um, while it's cool, it's not from the perspective of like a research paper, right? Okay. The second thing I want to talk about is that flow state is, uh, while while a wonderful natural state of high performance, it's possible to pull out your inner god, as it were, um, through concentration and focus and grit. And that comes with the ability, the skill of being able to focus on the present moment um, with, with complete non-judgment and to be uh, like working really hard at that. 
So when you're not in, when you're in flow state, you're focused on the present moment exclusively, naturally. Wonderful, feels easy. When you're not in flow state, you have to do this manually, and it takes a lot of effort. You have to control your attention. So you can you can learn and train to control your attention through activities such as imagery, mindfulness training, meditation, all of these kind of different things. Um, and then you can just essentially ignore. Uh, well, okay, you can't ignore things, uh, but you can you can draw your attention repeatedly to the task at hand, and kind of like consistently put aside judgment and doubt and self-talk and just focus on the task, task-focused um, concentration. And uh, and that essentially allows you to then play at your more or less best and to also to learn in a very natural, autodidactic way. Now, um, Saitoru, you suck at every game that you touch and you want to pull out your inner god. So there's a couple things that I suggest for you. First of all, uh, I think that you should focus more on your on your training and your learning. So by that I mean, if you if you suck at every game you touch, then you probably are not challenging failure at the point at, at at the edge of your ability. So the way that it works is, if you're pushing the edge of what you're capable of, you're going to be failing fifty percent of the time. So it's a very dangerous place to be psychologically because you're constantly failing. In a video game like Super Mario Brothers, that's not such a big deal because you can just restart, right? Or Contra, let's say Contra, where you're supposed to fail repeatedly. In fact, so much so that they gave you 99 lives with the cheat code so that you could try to beat the game. But with esport games and um, competitive games, you're failing in front of another person and with another person and to another person. You're failing to them. So it's much, much harsher of a place to go. So most likely, you are playing it safe. And what that means is... Um, you're not striving to do something that you can't do in order to push your limits in a focused way and then accepting the consequences non-judgmentally. So what I would say is you need to somehow disconnect yourself from any failure related to pushing your limits. You need to, you need to decide, consciously decide where your limits are. So like, here's what I cannot do that I want to be able to do. And then you need to attempt to do it multiple times fail multiple times and get better every time in an automatic way because you're focused on trying to do it and understand then then the last thing you need to understand and this is the most important part is that this is an athletic movement you are controlling your mouse and your keyboard to achieve this which means your focus on the learning should be on the physical movement of your body Okay, you need to have this mind-body connection. Most people get lost in the game, and when they're trying to achieve skills, they're focused too much on the movement of their character and not enough on the movement of their arm and their shoulder and their fingers, which is where your coordination needs to be focused. Eventually, when you're a master, you can sit down at the piano, and you can look at the music, and you can think, and it comes out. But until then, you need to it, it behooves you, and it actually benefits you to focus on the fingers as you are playing to make sure that you're hitting very precisely on the keyboard um, and and that you're playing the notes very precisely and not let it be an automated process. So I want you to focus on your mouse speed and your mouse accuracy and I want you to try to improve them as you are doing the activities. I'm like tapping on my desk but you can't see it. As you are doing the activities you are doing to focus on your improvement and get into that space where you can tackle failure in front of other people with other people non-judgmentally. So you're going to have to like usually mute everybody in all your games and only care about your own ambition if this is the case um, because you're probably going to piss people off by trying to f- trying and failing. But that doesn't matter. It's not about them. It's about you. Get selfish. Okay. Mute them. 
decide your ambition, tackle the tackle the improvement and go. All right, that's my suggestion. That's the show. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope it was helpful. We had mostly sports psychology. So that was a fun dabbling into my actual field. See you tomorrow, everybody. All right, that's the show for you today. Same feedback as yesterday. I would like to know if there's anything that I can do in terms of audio production or different styles of content that you would like to hear. So you can hit me up at the Anchor app, anchor.fm slash Green, and just audio message me, or Twitter, or Twitch, Mind Games Weldon message. Thanks for tuning in. Remember to use the code podcast if you check out the Mac program, mindgames.gg slash MAC, code podcast to support the show.